It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm a senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church right here in Colorado Springs, and I'm thrilled that you're tuning in again today. We are continuing in our study of the radical teachings of Jesus Christ. That's right. We've been going through these week by week, examining some of these powerful teachings, most of which were found at the Sermon on the Mount, but all through his three years with the disciples. We have much to learn and to explore to a deeper level because we can read them at surface level and fail to really process what he's trying to teach us there. He gave us the words. His words are precise and true. It's really up to us now then to take it apart verse by verse, examine it with detail and respect, honoring God as we assimilate his word in and through our lives as obedient servants. And it's not for us to robotically enact these things in our life, but really to be transformed by the washing and renewing of our mind. And so today we're continuing in the very thought that we began last week as we are examining where our treasure is, eyes on eternity. Where is our first love truly? Is our allegiance to the material possessions that we seek to attain in this very brief life. It is but a vapor. Is that our identity? Is climbing some ladder of success in the eyes of men really the the inspiration that motivates us on a day-in and day-out basis? Or is it truly a life well-lived where we seek to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. So to help me in this wonderful study as we go back to Matthew chapter 6 today, here in the studio with me is Dr. Steve Ford. Dr. Ford, welcome back to Engage in Truth. Thank you, John. That was such a great intro. And even as you were uh, speaking about that, I was thinking as ideally as disciples of Jesus Christ, and especially in this day of identity theft, and so many things can happen to our wealth where things can be digitally stolen from us, Mm. our retirement accounts, our bank accounts, that no matter what happens, if everything was to go to zero, if we are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, it really shouldn't change anything. We should be so pressed into him that if we lose all those things, we're like, well, okay. That's right. That's (laughs) right. Well, now we're going to, we're just going to wait and see what the Lord's going to do. I mean, I, I really feel as disciples of Jesus Christ, that should be our mindset and that should be our heart. That's right. It, it, it is. Uh, sometimes we've got to really put to practice what we preach. Amen. The Lord has a way of doing that, especially with you and I, Dr. Ford, as we are using this medium of radio to give God's holy word. It's amazing how we tend to go through some of these very things before we even go on the air. That's right. Uh, the Lord does this. Uh, he, he wants us to be without hypocrisy. So everything that we're trying to guide our listener through is most likely something we've been through even recently. And so I praise God for that, that we can speak from the heart, speak from experience, and ultimately use God's Word to navigate these very sensitive and um, important details of life. I agree with that. As we've been sharing this and, and sharing through various episodes, how many times have we been convicted by what we're going to share <laughs> right. ahead of time You know, before we actually get to the program itself? And, and God has just uh, blessed us with those experiences and those insights that we've been able to share with each other and with other people. Yeah, amen. And you know, as we're talking about where our treasure really is, it's it's easy to get that confused by thinking that somehow money is the enemy. 
you know, there were certain times and places, obviously, money had to be used, even uh, with Christ as he was teaching his disciples about the temple tax and so forth. And as they tried to pit Jesus against Caesar, they being the scribes and Pharisees and so forth, they tried to pit him against Caesar, and in which the Lord had to show them whose image is on this coin, the denarius. And, and so money became a wonderful uh, baseline or, or backdrop even for a teachable moment, uh, the widow's might and so forth. And I have many of these in my office. It's wonderful to see these coins and think about the teachings of our Lord related to that. Money is often brought up scripturally because it teaches us a lot about ourselves. It's a way where we can look in the mirror and examine if we could even through that mirror see into our own hearts. We will find that we really depend on money as a solution to everything. We don't pray like we should, quite frankly. We don't pray about our health about uh, decisions in life. We find that we've already made up our mind and we just want God to bless whatever we've determined. Uh, you know, if, if I'm dealing with an ailment, I'm just going to go pick a doctor out of the Rolodex or from somebody's recommendation and pay that doctor to provide a service rather than saying, Lord, let me first start with you. Uh, as if I have no money at all, you are the source of healing. You're the source of guidance and wisdom. Let me seek you first. So if money is really out of the way, that's the kind of faith that we need to have. If we have money, well, then use it to his glory. But we need to operate the same with or without it. It's all God's. He is the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills. Everything belongs to him. And, and so the study here of Matthew chapter 6 really is to bring to, to mind rather, rather vividly uh, how we perceive money and how we ultimately use it to his glory and really the revelation of our hearts, where our allegiance truly lies. Uh, Dr. Ford, you talk about those life experiences. This past week, I was confronted very uh, right to my own doorstep here where I went to my bank account and suddenly all my savings were gone. That's right. It, it happened to me. It's wow. always something that happens to somebody else, right? And right. hear a, a cyber spike I think is what they called it uh, at my uh, bank. They they said there was some anomaly within a 15-minute period of time in which all of these transactions and savings and so forth were just gone. And I, you know, tongue-in-cheek told the gentleman, I said, and you guys want us to go to digital currency? <laughs> and, and here, my entire savings is just gone. And now the stress of this, because it, they really were owning the responsibility in this, as if I had done this to myself. All this taking a place over two weeks then wow. to finally now get this resolved because they've given me now an end date of when all of this will be restored and, and it still hasn't yet fully occurred. So even as we're recording this broadcast, I'm still dealing with this, of this anomaly that happened to me. And, and I'm talking to somebody out there right now where they're the anomaly, some weird things happen to them. And it doesn't seem to happen to anybody else. Well, here I can relate with you. My savings just disappeared. Now, they have told me and assured me they're going to restore it, but it really brought to my heart here this the stress that immediately kicked in. Am I going to practice what I preach? Is God really able even through this? And the answer is always yes. Yeah. Right. Nothing is impossible for him. Uh, we really don't need money at all. I mean, John the Baptist seemed to manage quite well <laughs> without those monetary funds, and, and the Lord called him one of the greatest of the flesh of men ever since the time of Adam and Eve, to be able to walk this earth in service to him, he didn't need those things. So we really need to examine it. Dr. Ford, if you have scripture there, could you take us to Matthew 6, 19 to 21? Yes, that, that would be great. Matthew 6, 19 to 21. 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Mm, Amen. I don't think it's too difficult for any of us, especially as you're listening right now, you probably could think of many examples in your life, men and women alike, who have perhaps laid up treasures on this earth. And you knew where their treasure really was. You knew where their hearts were. And I mean, you can only, you know, watch however many programs today. It seems like there's always a show on about somebody who amassed great wealth in this world and all that's left behind is their dilapidated mansion that no one lives in, their collection of cars that nobody wanted, the possessions of their home that just eroded. Uh, and maybe we're ended up in a goodwill somewhere right. because not even their own children or heirs wanted these possessions. Uh, so here we are focused on all these material assets and they had no value to the next generation. And yet that was their identity. I was watching a program not long ago talking about one of the investors in the Titanic and how his mansion still stands in Pennsylvania today, but none of the family wanted to live there. And it's like the size of the White House, this wow. amazing estate. But it's not amazing anymore. It's nothing but just empty hallways and memories. Hmm. So the man's investment into a ship that sank, where they were in defiance to God, that not even God can sink this boat. Well, we know how that goes. (laughs) And his house that was left over that his family didn't even want because of the memories of his loss. And so all of that, you just think how the tragedy of it all. I've, I've read about billionaires who one particular billionaire, when the market went south in 2008, who threw himself in front of a train. And the man was still worth billions despite all of his losses because it wasn't about the money. At that point, it was about his identity, his power, his victories in business, almost like a real-life Monopoly game. It really had nothing to do with the money at all, but his identity that was created by the money, by his possessions that was now impacted significantly or so he believed in his own mind willing to kill himself despite all of the money he still had all of the victories and wealth that he still had amassed still was not enough and i think that's where we're talking about here the lord is calling attention to the root of the matter the hole in our hearts that we try to fill up with everything else besides jesus christ and we'll never find victory in that. There's the example of the rich young ruler. We've talked about him before in Matthew 19, 16 to 22, that Jesus knew that this man could not part with his wealth, even when confronted with the choice to follow Jesus. The man was, so it seemed, was willing to love his neighbor and to do all the commands that pertain to his fellow man. But when it came down to loving God and having no other gods before him, He was not willing to let go of his wealth. He he had amassed too much. That was now his identity. And I don't know if there's a single person in the church who wouldn't struggle at the thought of giving up everything they have to go and follow Christ. What, What Jesus asked of him to do is something that would feel virtually impossible for any of us. But we have to understand that the Lord wasn't coming against his wealth. He knew where his first love really was. And Jesus was simply revealing that to him and to us. And this man was willing then to let go of his eternal life for something that he felt was more tangible in the here and now than something he couldn't yet behold with his fleshly eyes. 
And I find it interesting, Dr. Ford, we rarely talk about this. It's possible that Jesus could have given it all back to him, may have been willing to do so. Sure. It really wasn't about his wealth at all. Right. Uh, but yet all we focus on is the fact that he was told to give up, to forego these things, to follow Christ, a test of his heart, a test of his allegiance. He could have given him back twice as much. He certainly did to Job, not yeah. the number of children, but the wealth that he had amassed, God gave him twice as much back. Yeah, sometimes I, I like to look at that verse from Matthew that we just read, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, and, and sort of switch that sort of a converse where my heart is, that's where my treasure is. What am I loving? Mm-hmm. What are the things that I love? What are the things that mean most to me? And then that shows me what my treasure is. That's right. Yeah. And, and often it's like, where is all of my time going? Definitely. I mean, there's certainly the obligations of work. We right. know that. I um, mean, some of us may not even like what we do, but right. we, do, we have bills to pay, right? right? But then outside of work, what what takes the most of our time? We know we have responsibilities to our, our spouse, to our children, uh, whatever those fears of influence might be. But quite frankly, God tends to get the scraps. He, he gets what's left over maybe at the end of the week. It, it's not really a designated Sabbath anymore. It's maybe five minutes of a Sabbath. Uh, I, I informed the congregation this weekend that I am fighting for the, the minds of men, it seems, to give them truth because our allegiances are so scattered to everything else that even to contemplate, to think of the things of God, to study his word, we just don't do it anymore. We're a headline culture. We don't re- want to read the articles. In fact, if we put out a video on a Wednesday, if if it goes over seven minutes, I'll lose half the audience. That's incredible. So you only have about seven minutes now for somebody to process the deep things of God's holy word. That is just not enough. Yeah. So he's he reveals this to us. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, God doesn't get our very best. He is not getting our first fruits. And that doesn't just happen to be monetary first fruits. That's everything of our first fruits, our very best in the morning, our very best of service, our very best of the first fruits of what he has given us by way of monetary gain. Uh, We see that with the tribes of Israel, they were instructed to give multiple tithes. It wasn't just the 10%. It was to give the first fruits of even their increases they were to give unto the Lord because they were constantly to demonstrate a, a, a true respect and honor to God. You're the one who gives anything I have. In fact, the very breath in my body is because of you. So the first fruit of my breath should be praise unto God. That should be the attitude of gratitude that precedes everything that we do. If we have that right, everything else falls into a proper alignment. Another example that comes to mind here is the story of Achan. Uh, We get that story from Joshua chapter 6, verses 17 to 18 in Joshua 7, 1 to 26. So go to and check those out when you get to uh, the opportunity to do so. I certainly hope after you listen to this broadcast, you'll be able to flip through your scripture right away and go and read this for yourself. But in verse 18, God instructs the children of Israel to attack Jericho, to, uh, to abstain then as they go through Jericho, this massive city with a an infamous wall, all the, the neighboring cities knew about Jericho's walls, but they were to abstain from anything within it that was called the accursed things. So to bring all the silver, gold, and vessels of bronze and iron, they had to be consecrated to the Lord and brought into his treasury to be used for the Lord's glorious purposes as he, as he was establishing the whole nation. Uh, They were to follow the instruction because God had a theocracy that he was moving them into, into this promised land. Now, as they attacked Jericho, 
after God brings down the wall, well, one of these men decides he's going to disobey God's commands, and he decides, well, the all of this is very beautiful. You know, nobody's going to miss just a little bit, right? There's plenty for God. I can just take a little bit for myself. And we do this with our time, by the way. So he does this. He decides he's going to keep a little bit of this, this Babylonian garment, uh, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold weighing 50 pounds. Now, if you're into gold these days, you know that like one ounce of gold is over $1,700 today. Okay, so if we put this all into uh, terms today, we're talking about $2 million. And this was just a small fraction of of what they were collecting out of Jericho that was to go into the Lord's treasury. Well, because of this man's sin, Israel is defeated at the battle of Ai that was to follow. So they, all they have seen is victory after victory because they were obedient to God. Now, I'm not talking about the generations that were disobedient before going into the promised land, but now that generation has passed. Now with the leadership of Joshua, as he's following the commander of the Lord's army around Jericho, God is bringing them into the promised land. They are now a people who are to be totally in obedience to God, and he's got to strip out from them this act of disobedience because he has a plan for them. Well, we see because of this man's sin, all the promises of God weren't good enough now. He's brought them in as he promised he would do. He's taken care of them. They've had victory after victory. Well, he decides he's going to help himself out more than God, and now the people suffer as a result of his disobedience. He keeps some of the gold, keeps some of the silver. So as a result of all this, Israel's defeated in its very next battle. And this man was put to death ultimately because he coveted after the riches instead of honoring the Lord and doing what God asked of him to do. The wealth had more value than obedience to God. And that is going on far too often in the church today. And isn't this a great illustration of how our sin can impact those around us? Which mm-hmm. I think well, it's not going to hurt anybody. It's just, you know, right. it's not going to impact anybody else. This is just my decision and it's just only going to affect me. But boy, what a great illustration of how our sin, our decisions can impact those around us. That's right. That's right. And it's true of virtually every sin. There are very few sins that you can find yourself doing that only impact you that's right because it's going to change how you think Mm -hmm. um you know even uh, people who are addicted to pornography for example they go well that's just a sin that i can just harbor for myself uh, absolutely not that's going to affect how you think it's going to affect your relationship with your spouse right Uh, because men and women both battle such things and and it's going to affect the relationship how they view other people right uh they become objects rather than than images of people who are formed in the image of god that's right um, it, it, everything is is tainted now, and, and so the cascading effect of that disobedience can carry on through generations. Right, right. So there really is no sin that I can think of that is that is self damaging only. There will always be an impact beyond ourselves. That that's why we have to take these things very very seriously. So the rich young ruler and the story of Achan are ultimately examples of people who laid up treasures on earth. They were willing to forfeit eternity like Esau did, right? Time after time, he kept forfeiting his, his gift, the air that he was given, his future. He was willing to sell for temporary satisfactions, right? right? Things that were fleeting here today, gone tomorrow. He could not keep his eyes on the prize. And unfortunately, his generations followed suit. The the many generations in the same heart of Esau would turn in rebellion to God. So again, 
cascading yeah. effect of sin. So that I hear you saying, in a sense, we do the same thing. He sold his birthright. We sell our birthright That's when right. we sin. You know, we're born again into we're a new creation, and yet somehow we're we're betraying that. Yeah. And we're betraying what the Lord did for us. That's right. You're a new uh, creation in Christ. It's time we act like it. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's one thing, obviously, we all sin. and But it's one thing, you know, just to continue in that and not repent. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's really what we're talking about is, you know, unrepentance and that just kind of continues to go on and becomes a lifestyle. Uh, we all, you know, we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God and we repent. That's right. But, you know, when we just sort of get embedded in that sin. Yeah. I, you know, I think it ultimately it's disrespectful to God. Yeah. He's told us how serious our sin is. And then we, we play with it. We dance with it. We right. entertain it well, and Jesus allow it to infest us. us. Yeah. Yeah, right. And then, so then we're not treating it with the seriousness that it should be treated. We need That's to, right. we need to handle it as though it's toxic waste, nuclear waste yeah. that needs to be handled with absolute care and, and removed as far from us as possible. Yeah. If, if we handle it and not, uh, treat it as the toxin that it is. Right. Uh, of course, if I were nuclear radiated right. uh, and, and somebody gives me a hug, they're now nuclear right. radiated, <laughs> right. Exactly. right? That's the same effect of sin. So if I love this world too much, uh, if I love it at all, quite frankly, uh, chances are my children are going to love this world That's right. and their children are going to love this world. It needs to stop now. Yeah. We have got to be set apart because we belong to a new kingdom. And we represent a better king. That's right. And that means that everything uh, uh, has to be transformed ultimately by this. So their hearts were set upon the things of this earth, of this earth, of this world, of this Babylonian system. That That's where their allegiances were. And they were willing to disobey God for the sake of temporal riches that we know don't last. So the things we gather on earth are temporary. They, they're not going to last at all. In fact, he tells us that all of this is getting burned up. I mean, right. after the thousand-year reign of our Lord, in fact, that we're going into a new heaven and a new earth. Right? None of this is going to last. There will be no bricks left behind, no monuments to men. None of this is going to go on forever. So we have such a temporary perspective, and we wonder why we have a constant impact of sin generation after generation. It's time that we think and look higher. Yeah, some some time ago we discussed that uh, my first wife passed away mm. uh, and and the impacts of that on myself and my family and my relationship with the Lord. But one of the things that I was impacted by when people came through at her memorial service, it wasn't people didn't care about how much money she had made or her achievements or her diplomas or mm-hmm. any of the rest of those things that we put, put so much store in. But it was whether or not she had touched their lives. People came and said mm. she stopped what she was doing and took time which says you said is so valuable to us. One of our most valuable commodities is our time. She took time, stopped what she was doing and listened to me. Oh, wow. That's what people remember. That was the, the long enduring. It wasn't those other things that we put so much store in. That's right. Amen. That'll far outlive any monuments that, and as we've seen today, those right. are torn down as well Yeah. Uh, because history has a way of changing depending on the victor. Right. Um, and so we have to put our eyes on the greater prize here. And so let me uh, just at least pose these questions that Dr. Ford, we can come back to next week. I awesome. want our listener to at least uh, churn on these things, <laughs> process it, chew on this. Okay. Are you earthly minded or heavenly minded? Are you investing in the future eternity to come, or are you investing in the here and now? Are you enthralled with the temporary versus the permanent? All of these things we're going to examine next week, especially as we go through some of the many examples that Christ gave us, and we can see those examples play out all around us every day 
and we have to decide what are we going to do about it. Will people see us living so differently that there won't be even, they wouldn't even have to hear the words we speak because our lives would so model these things of Christ that it would only be an affirmation of what they've already visibly seen demonstrated. That is truly the transformed life that we seek of the the obedient servant that's adhering to the very radical teachings of Jesus Christ. Why were they so radical? Because they were so radical against the flesh, right? I mean, that's it. That When we think about what sin brings out of us, he was giving the antidote to that and showing a new and better way. And that's what makes it so radical. And that's what makes them, quite frankly, a lifelong journey to adhere to until we graduate from this flesh Amen. and are with the Lord forever and ever. So we want to thank you for listening to Engage in Truth. Thank you for being a weekly supporter. And we ask that if you have a moment, please check us out online at calvaryfountain.com. This is a ministry of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley Church. Services are 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Sundays. And we have groups meeting throughout the whole week, and we'd love to see you there. God bless you, my friends. Take care.